0: My name is Kerry Kite. I'm an Air Force veteran and a writer, filmmaker, and entrepreneur. Day to day, I produce advertising content for a creative agency in New York City. Through this podcast, I'm turning my passion into practice. I separated from the Air Force in 2010. And since that time, through using the post 9-11 GI Bill to go to college, working hourly jobs to pay the bills, and freelancing my way into a career, I've studied what it takes to successfully transition from service to civilian. And that study has become a conversation. On this podcast, I speak to other veterans, successful artists and entrepreneurs, about their transition, what they did well, where they failed, what they learned, and most importantly, how they applied their skills. Episode 25 features Lisa Maskey, a former Air Force Surgical Tech and current Account Director at Raven Public Relations. We talked about thriving under pressure. Welcome. This is Veteran Made.
1: So I'm uh, Lisa. I am based in Nashville, Tennessee. I currently work in public relations um, at a firm based in Nashville. Um, And our bread and butter is working with the advertising uh, industry. So we work with a lot of advertising agencies. We also dabble with a couple of folks that are in digital marketing space as well. Um, But yeah, our, our... our go-to is advertising. So I've been fully into the advertising space for almost five years now and I love it.
0: Very cool. Well, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Excited to, uh, to talk about how you got there. Um, so can you, can you tell us a little bit about, um, what branch you serve of the military you served in and kind of what took you into the military?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I was in the Air Force. Um, I'm from Kentucky. I grew up in a smaller city in northern Kentucky. Um, You know, transparently, I really didn't consider the military in my future. Um, It wasn't part of my plan, so to speak. Um, In high school, I was really all about just hanging out with my friends and I always, you know, admired my friend group because they were pretty certain of where they'd go after high school. Oh, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a nurse. Um, Whatever path they wanted to do, they were they were certain. But I was kind of um, the outcast in a sense where I had no clue what I was going to do. Um, But the military, truthfully, wasn't a part of the plan. I didn't have a plan, first of all, but I never thought the military. Now, for context, my brother was my brother served in the Air Force. My father served in the Air Force. My grandfather's on both my mom and dad's side served in the military. Um but they never for once like said, hey, Lisa, you should consider joining. It was all on my own. Um, when I graduated high school, I did go to college for a year. And I I really just felt lost. I didn't have an idea still of what I wanted to do. And it's interesting, I I was at the time just talking to some guy friends who were um signing up for the Air Force or the Army, what have you. And um, they were just kind of like talking to me about it. It really sparked my curiosity. So I went and talked to a recruiter. I don't know. I I just, I had this gut instinct. Sounds cheesy, but I felt really compelled to do something. Again, this sounds cheesy, like bigger than myself, but it, it just spoke to me. I I just felt a calling. I remember telling my parents, my friends, they're all like, I'm sorry, what? You know, they were really confused. Um, but I didn't I didn't care. I knew it was the right thing to do. It and I yeah, I I signed the on line. I I joined the Air Force and June two thousand six, off I went in the nice. blazing heat.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. It's hot, yeah, <laughs> hot down there in San Antonio in the in the summers. What um so a couple questions there. it up just just a bit. So I mean, the first of all, it's not cheesy. Like I, I I get that. I mean, obviously the the army I think just released today that they're going back to their old uh, be all that you could be ad campaign, um, you know from the '90s, and it's you know yeah. for 2023, and it's like, well, you know, people used to make fun of that, but for the people that it speaks to, you know, it it speaks to us and it, and it works from you know from a from an advertising standpoint. But I also do think that it legitimately speaks to to something inside of us that you know that we're like hey i i am not i'm not doing everything i want to be doing i'm doing everything i can be doing and of the options um of things that i could do while i figure that out going to serve my country and and um you know getting the gi bill and all that stuff is certainly not a bad way to go and it yeah. also makes sense i think that your family you know if you, if you come from a family of service uh, yeah. that kind of latent you know uh option pool is there right you know whether or not you you recognize it you know, immediately or, or on the surface. Did you um were you like a military brat? Were you going around with with your dad? No.
1: No, no. My father served during a time where <laughs> um he he actually joined before he even graduated high school. I think he oh, wow. fibbed. He was one of those that fibbed. I mean my yeah. father, uh, he passed away five years ago, but he was older, um, or he came from an older generation. And um but he only served about three and a half years. Okay. So I don't believe he even finished his four-year term. Um, but so with that to say, we didn't travel around. Yeah. I didn't like grow up in that environment.
0: And so then in terms of, in terms of, um, you, you mentioned, you said that you had admiration for your friend groups and or your friend group and your peers that you saw, um, knowing what they wanted to do, whether that was teaching or whether that was nursing, or, or what have you, um, was there any sort of like pressure that you felt on yourself to to make a decision like that? Or did you, or were you, were you like, okay, those folks know what they're doing. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I, I will eventually figure it out.
1: It did bother me um, that they were so certain mm-hmm. and we were so young and I was the only one that wasn't so certain. I felt really, I mean, it was a small group. It was a small city, um, to be one of the few individuals of my graduating class that didn't have a plan. It did make me feel a pressure that I only put on myself. Like they never made me feel bad. It was all internal. Like I just felt I should know what I want to do, even though I was only 18, 19 years old.
0: I no, would say it i told I told you this before we started recording, but i'm I'm not in my in my home. I'm in my friend's apartment, and he's gonna laugh because he listens to this podcast and
1: he's Tell out right now. Me. but Make fun of somebody me and edit that out
0: there's a, a package or something. Um, so you'd mentioned that that you had admiration, I think is the word that you used for for some of your friends and and folks in your peer group who kind of knew what they wanted to do, whether that was teaching or nursing. Um did you feel any sort of pressure? Um, were you putting any pressure on yourself? Or how did that make you feel that that they kind of knew what they wanted to do? Were you a little bit more loosey-goosey? I'm like, you know what, I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Or or what, what was that like?
1: Yeah, I and I was saying before um that it was all internal pressure. I never felt hmm. pressure from my friend group or even my parents. So I was fortunate that I was surrounded by a lot of support and positivity. You know, they weren't like sitting me down saying Lisa get your life together I mean I was only 18 19 years old it was all it was all my own doing that I felt like I needed to know what I wanted to do but realistically looking back like it really that was me putting it on myself just based yeah. on comparing myself to my peer group at the time
0: yeah I um I can certainly relate to that I had I had a little bit of that myself as I was I had some clarity initially for myself about what I wanted to do and then and then like knew that that wasn't going to happen. And so I kind of scrambled a bit to, to, to figure out what I was going to do, which is ultimately why I ended up choosing the military and then the, and then the air force. But it was totally that internalized pressure of like, oh man, like I've got, I've got to do something. Um, I can't just, you know, sit around and, and not do something. So, okay. So you did one year of college and then you went to, uh, you enlisted in the air force. Were your parents proud, happy friends, proud, happy. Obviously you said surprised, but everybody was like, Like, this is cool. This is great. We're excited for you. What was the? Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: They were, they were really happy. I think they might admit it, maybe not, but I think there was some apprehension that I would succeed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was not in sports in school. I wasn't um, in any kind of competitive setting. So I hadn't really pushed myself before. So the idea of me going to basic training and, you know, doing the obstacle course and just like all of it really kind of had my friends um, and even my parents just kind of like, wait, what Uh, are are you sure? Um, But here's the thing about me that I learned is that I love a challenge. So if somebody doubts me and thinks I'm not capable of doing something, I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Now I'm definitely joining because you're not so sure I I can do this. Um, But it's interesting because the recruiter, he was telling me before I left, like, Hey, when you go to basic training, I want you to be honor graduate. Then after that, when you go to tech school, I want you to be distinguished graduate. So he was like setting the standard for me. I had no idea what any of that meant, but I was like, all right. And, um, this is like my, my humble brag, or I don't know if it's humble, but I did mm-hmm. that. I was honor graduate in basic training. I remember the TI through the honor graduate. Um, he threw the little, the, he threw it at me, like mm-hmm. to tell me that I got it. And I remember sitting there thinking, I can't believe I did it. I was just so shocked because I was in such a zone during basic training. Like I had no idea I even accomplished all of this. I was just doing it. I just went through the motions. So Yeah is pretty cool.
0: That's great. Did you, um, how much time did you spend with your recruiter? Like in, while you were in, in delayed entry, did he know you, it sounds like he obviously pretty, knew you, knew you pretty well, at least knew you well enough that he could motivate you, uh, to, to go do something. Um, or was it just kind of, I don't know, do recruiters get, but I always, I always laugh on this podcast, like recruiters. Uh, supply and security forces always end up just getting shit on. And I feel really bad for him. It's like, do recruiters get like a bonus for somebody getting auto graduate or something?
1: (laughs) I don't know. And I mean, this was a time where Facebook and that was all kind of in the early stages. So it's not as if he could go to my social media profiles and get like a real sense of who I was. So his only interactions with me, I think was just two, two meetings. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, all right, so you got honor graduate. Did you go in? Um, did you enlist like open? I, I, obviously, I know that you were you were medical, but did you go in open medical, open general? Did you go in with a wish list of, of jobs? What was your what was your approach there?
1: Yeah, I went in open medical. Oh, okay, cool. Yes, so I knew it was going to be a medical job, but I had no idea what it would be.
0: And did you choose open medical or was it like, hey, in order to leave relatively quickly, you know, you can go open medical or did you know you wanted to go do something in the the medical field?
1: No, I didn't Mm -hmm. know I wanted to do anything in the medical field. I mean, I just at that point was ready to go. So the recruiter said open medical. And I said, sure. So funny. It was really like that. It was it was that easy. I just yeah whatever, you know, you're super naive at that time. You're just kind of going through the motions. Um, so it sounded good to me.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, that makes, that makes, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's funny. It's like, I look at, I've been doing some, just some projects recently doing some writing and kind of reflecting on, on my time, uh, in, in the military, but obviously specifically, you know, basic and tech school and things like that. And I just go on YouTube and type some things in to see if I could jog my memory, you know, like video, like B roll or photos or whatever of, of the times. And I, you find some old stuff You find some stuff from like the 80s, which is really cool to see. Um, But now there's like videos that will prepare you for every aspect of basic training, like kids in tech school, I say kids, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but people in tech school, um, they usually tend to be, you know, a little bit on the younger side, they're sitting in front of their, in front of their computers on YouTube, like, okay, I just went through basic training, here's everything you need to know, you know, like, here's what an element leader does. And, you know, here's like, how, how you could get recycled, or like, what might happen. And it's like, I we had none of that. I mean, you and I went in relatively same time. I went in October of two thousand six, so we were kind of right there at the same time. Like, I mean, we had YouTube, but we didn't have any of that. And so you're just like, oh, okay, cool. You need to fill a quota and open medical. Sure, I'll go.
1: Yeah, I really had no idea. I remember um, getting to the airport, arriving in Texas, and like going to another area of the airport and like it all just started right when you got off the plane and you went to the airport it started right then and there and I just remember having no clue like what to expect yeah
0: Um, the thing that always blew me away is like you get on the you you know you go through you go to MEPS or whatever and then you square in and then you get in the van go to the airport and I remember thinking to myself like oh wow they're just letting me find my way there and it's obviously it ends up being pretty easy because you just you know follow everybody else and you follow all the you know the MTIs that are stalking the airport in San Antonio and saying here go to these buses over here. But it was pretty wild. Um, where is your your so when did you receive the medical AFSC your your job was it in basic obviously it
1: was yeah yeah, yeah. and I received um, I received that during the basic training. And I had no idea what it meant. I, it said I was going to be a surgical technician, but I didn't know what a surgical technician was. So I still was at a loss for what I was doing. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of going with the flow. You're like, cool. I like, guess it's I'll too pers- late to turn back now. I'm already yeah. here. So let's just do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're like, cool. I guess I'll be participating cool. in some surgeries for the next four years. Um, where is 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 all medical at the same tech school or is it like where 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 did you end up going for tech school?
1: Uh yeah, I was in, <laughs> I believe I was in, see, this is where I always forget things. I was in Shepard Air Force Base. Mm. Um and that was about three months, I believe, of yeah. tech school. Um, there was other medical there, dental was there. It was majority. Majority medical,
0: very cool. Anything, anything uh, noteworthy happen in tech school that that um, you know was a particularly difficult experience or anything particularly you know enjoyable? I mean, did you continue to to you know kind of pursue excellence on, on the on the on the trainee side of things?
1: I almost feel like tech school for me was harder than basic training because I couldn't believe the amount of were like everything i needed to know in such a short amount of time if you compare tech school to us like it's the same job to be a surgical tech that job in the military applies to civilian but to be a surgical tech civilian it is like a 2 year degree yeah. um i learned everything in 2 years in like the span of 3 or 4 months um i think i cried a, a handful of times I like really doubted myself at that point. I didn't doubt myself that much in basic training. Um, but the first time I doubted what I was doing and myself was definitely during tech school because I mean, I'm learning like medical terminology, like this stuff was the real deal. And so that was super intimidating to me. Um And it was just, I wanted to do well, I took it very serious, I think I lived off every energy drink possible at that time, Mm -hmm. I was barely sleeping. Um, But I will say the instructors that I worked with were so incredible, like they were really helpful, they were really supportive, they really understood what we were going through because they had been there too so I do credit the success you know a lot to do with the instructors that I had yeah. you know, I feel really fortunate I think I had a good class too you know all of my um peers were really helpful and supportive too so that yeah. made it all a lot better like for sure
0: yeah I mean we, we should say for those that don't know um either air force or uh who weren't air force or who are a civilian so like open open general or open medical means going in You know, you're going to be in a certain career field, but you don't know what the job is going to be, and they're just going to assign it to you based on an opening. And what strikes me as you're you're, uh, speaking there is, I mean, going in open medical, and again, not to minimize or maximize any career field, but just to speak truthfully about it, um, going open medical could mean being like a records admin at the hospital or it could mean being a surgical tech. So it's not like you chose, Hey, I want to go, I want to go cram a two year specialized professional certification, and degree into a three month period of time. Like you you just say, I'm going to go do something. And this is what they're going to assign me. So do you feel like that was, um, was it more difficult academically? Was it more difficult from like a lifestyle standpoint? Like, was there any sort of pressure in terms of like the type of surgeries that you're, cause I know that I I know that surgical techs perform all kinds of surgeries in all kinds of environments, but were you thinking in terms of like wartime or in terms of like conflict theaters or anything like that? Or was it just like an academic overwhelm of like, how do I get through all this material?
1: It was, uh, it was all academic for me personally. I mean, when you're in tech school, you're still dealing with um, the military component of like marching to and from your classes, you're in uniform 24 seven and so it's still like strict. There's still that, um, that military factor that, that followed basic training, but that didn't, that was fine for me. That wasn't the challenge. The challenge was purely academics, um, because it was so much information to learn in a shorter amount of time. Um, so I, I mean, and there was pressure to like, pass the test to get it all right. The first time, you know, you, re- you really wanted to move forward in your military career and get to like the final goal, which is your home base and, yeah. and complete it all. So, yeah. Was
0: it, um, was it very difficult, like right up until the end, right up until graduation for you? Or did you hit a spot where, where you were able to kind of, you know, get it and make it a little bit more smooth?
1: no. It was difficult the whole time. Yeah. And a lot of it, again, it all goes back to myself and putting that internal pressure. You know, I never once failed any tests. I wasn't have, I didn't have a poor grade. I actually was doing really well. Um, But I always put this pressure on myself that it could just, I could fail at any minute. And it terrified me. And it was just all internal pressure that I had to learn to like manage. Um, At the time. yeah.
0: At the time or now, but I'm I'm actually curious the kind of both answers there. D- do you did you or do you have an understanding of like where that came from? Uh, from a personality standpoint?
1: That's a great question. And it, it's something I think even now I, I think about and and there really isn't an answer to that. It's just I think we all as humans have our own internal battles and, and sometimes it's putting, um, expectations on yourself to succeed. Um, whether that's from the outside or or internal, I think it's just something to know about humans is that we're constantly growing and just kind of, we're always trying to figure it out. I I don't think you just wake up one day and you have it all, all figured out, you know, I, I think just knowing that you're always going to be learning and growing, and and some way, shape, or form. So I don't. It didn't stem from like a specific moment in my life. It was just something I just wanted to make others proud. I wanted to do something that mattered and and succeed and and yeah.
0: That's great. What um so where so graduation? You made it to, you make it to graduation. Um, and I'm sure it's a combo of excitement and relief. Where did, did you know where you were going to, your first duty station was going to be? I can't remember when they tell us that.
1: Yeah, I know. I, this is all, it's so interesting. I, I was telling you this before in a previous conversation, how it's been over 10 years since I served Yeah, and the, you know, A lot of my friends, of course, my family, they know I served, but I never get an opportunity to really dig in and talk about my experience. So a lot of this, I'm like having to dig back into my memory bank because I haven't talked about it in so long. But um, I did figure out that I was going to um, California to Travis Air Force Base, I believe in tech school. So that was the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think I think it was I think it was text. I think you like put your list together in basic training. And then you have like your list of five or whatever, in order. And then I think they reveal it. I I think it was in tech school that I got that they tell you where you're going. And then you're either excited or bummed. Travis is pretty good, though, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really good. So I was really I didn't know this, but um at the time, but I know it now because I was a surgical technician, I was limited to only a number of bases because I had to be at a hospital that had operating rooms and mm-hmm. there only was a select number of bases within the Air Force that had um, hospitals with operating rooms. Mm-hmm. So um me putting Travis Air Force Base because I wanted to go to California was pretty much a given because. They had one of the they have one of the largest hospitals within the Air Force so okay. I was pretty lucky with that
0: interesting yeah so I, I I guess in some in some areas it would be a civilian hospital that would that somebody would go to if they needed a, a surgery if there's no Air Force if there's no hospital that has a, a operating room right interesting okay cool um all right so you get to, what, what was it like moving from I mean you moved from Kentucky to Texas to another place in texas to california what was that like
1: well here's here's a fun fact uh, i had guacamole for the first time at 19 when i moved to california <laughs> 90, if okay. that tells you anything about yeah. growing up um i love my mom so much but it was just your standard like meatloaf beef and noodles i hadn't really uh had anything very exciting um so well, what i had was, guacamole It was amazing. I've never looked back. (laughs) Um, but honestly, it was incredible to go to California. I mean, the weather obviously is ideal, but I I was nervous, but going to the hospital and meeting all of um all the people I'd get to work with who were from all over the country was just super exciting. I was young, I was eager to make friends. Um, that's something about me that's always been true. I I love Meeting new people and hearing their story and talking to different personalities and getting different perspectives. So that was really, really a positive thing for me, especially at such a young age um, to be exposed to that, to the different personalities.
0: Yeah. That's one of the, I think one of the things about being in the military that people don't realize, civilians don't realize, or or people who who don't have ties to the military don't understand. Is I mean, the minute that you arrive at basic training, you're surrounded by an extremely diverse group of people and not just in the traditionally diverse measurements, right? But like like you're talking about from different places with entirely different life experiences. You know, you might be next to somebody who's never had guacamole before. You know what I mean? It's like silly, you know, silly things, but but like things that are experiential and 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 uh you know kind of important to the human experience. Um, and then you get to, you know, obviously you go through tech school and you get a little bit more uh leeway to to socialize and then you get to your first duty station and you, like now you're i mean, especially you working as a surgical tech like you're probably working directly with officers like very closely in a very like you know intimate way because they're the ones that are performing the surgeries as doctors right so i'm actually really curious about that because i mean when i got out of when, when i got to my first duty station it's like you see officers every once in a while but i'm not working with them every day like you were working with you know, field grade officers, company grade officers like, right out of tech school. Like, what was that? What was that like for you?
1: Oh my God. It was incredibly intimidating. I mean, I'm standing in an operating room alongside neurosurgeons. Like, we're talking highly trained, highly educated individuals who. And I'm 19 and I'm standing next to a neurosurgeon, an anesthesiologist, a surgical nurse. I mean, they're all officers. They're all highly educated. Um, it's, it was incredibly intimidating. Um, before every procedure, every surgical procedure, I was absolutely terrified. Um, but one thing the military taught me, starting with basic training, training is just sort of like thriving under that that pressure. So in a way, that pressure of working alongside these incredible individuals just made me better because I had to learn, you know, how to work alongside them. I had to really be on my game. I mean, there's zero tolerance. If you're in a surgery, you can't, you know, go into a surgery, just winging it. You really have to like, know your stuff. You have to do your homework. You have to be prepared for what the procedure is. Um, so there, there's just zero tolerance for, for any kind of, you know, just foolery. Like you have to go in there and know yourself. So in actuality, it just made me better because of that intimidation. Like I'm grateful for it. Looking back.
0: That's, I mean, that's awesome. So again for those that don't know like when you're in the air force you get to like you're three level you're five level you're seven level right like your very basic you know kind of uh you know um responsibility trajectory for other normal jobs you know where like if you're a three level you can't sign off on anything if you're a five level you can sign off on things if you're a seven level you can supervise things but like for you like what was it where did you just jump right into like surgeries like was there any sort of transition from okay you know all this from a textbook? now you have to do it?
1: No, no. Um, you did have to have, um, a more experienced tech with you Mm -hmm. and they would be like your preceptor and they would guide you and, you know, like in layman's terms be your chaperone. Mm -hmm. So, um, they were in every procedure with you. Um, and until you were at a place where you were confident and able and, and the team saw that you were able to do it on your own. You were with someone at all times in every procedure. Um, so that probably for me, I it's been so long; it's hard for me to remember. It wasn't that long for me, but um, I wasn't just thrown to the wolves. Like it wasn't just immediately go yeah. and do um, this surgery with this neurosurgeon or this general surgeon. Like you had to have somebody there.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, so did you, did you deploy or go TDY or, or, or anything from, from Travis?
1: Yeah, I deployed twice. I deployed in 2008 towards the end of 2008 to Bagram, Afghanistan. And then in 2010, um, I deployed to Balad, Iraq.
0: And what were the, it's wild, we, you and I have like the very similar, I, I came in in 06, deployed to Bagram in 08, I deployed to Bagram. We again. probably just missed and, each other. We probably did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, what, um, so what were the deployments like? I mean, were you, where Where were you, um, where the, like the operating rooms and things like that on the base, like what were your responsibilities? What was like daily life like?
1: Yeah, so if you're a surgical tech, you are uh, remaining within a hospital setting at all times. So I was always on the base. I couldn't, um, ever go outside the base. I needed to remain close to the hospital. Um, and the operating room there had to be, um, you had to be on call pretty much 24 seven. So I was always pretty close by. Um, sometimes we would even sleep at the hospital if we knew that we had, um, something coming in, um, to the emergency room. So we are always on standby. The operating room, honestly, during the time that I deployed both in Afghanistan and Iraq was it was pretty busy. Um, when you're deployed, you're taking care of both the local nationals and you're taking care of your own as well as um other forces from um the likes of like British NATO forces. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're really taking care of everybody and for deployments, if you go to the operating room, just know it—it it is an emergency. Right. And our mission was always to just, um, if you're going to the operating room, it's life or death, essentially. So our mission was always to stabilize the patient so that they can be um, sent to a more secure location, like to Germany. Yeah. Um, so it was, we like to call it over there. I don't know if you've heard this term, but controlled chaos. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) uh, we always knew our part, um, and the emergency room would always give us a heads up as best they could as what was coming in. So that way we could prepare the operating room as best we could for the wounds that we were going to, going to see. Mm
0: -hmm. Did you enjoy it?
1: It's interesting, that question's interesting because it's not that I enjoyed what was happening. What I I appreciated was the teamwork element that I was working with this team of amazing people and all egos were pushed aside and we were working like seamlessly together to save someone's life. So that to me was powerful. So I wouldn't use like the word enjoy more so just like I it made me appreciate my job it made me appreciate my team. It just to me was like really powerful. And honestly, I was just super proud of everyone I worked with, myself included at the end of the day, because it, I mean, you're working with people like I was telling you before with neurosurgeons and and general surgeons orthopedic surgeons the best of the best and when we're working as a team and they're trusting me like it's just incredible
0: that's uh that's awesome um were you thinking at all as you as you were you know working and living and deploying and all this stuff were you thinking like oh wow you know i I might have a future in in a medical field outside of the military or were you thinking about a military career at all or were you like you know what i'm really enjoying this or, or i'm appreciating this experience and i'm getting a ton of value out of it and i'm gonna leave
1: so for me, I really enjoyed my military experience. I honestly didn't know if I would stay in. I was I was sort of up and down like during my time in the military. Um when it came time for me to to make the decision, I ultimately decided to get out and I honestly it was it was all because during that time I did want to go away from medical and I wanted to change my job into something else like public affairs. Um it didn't work out. So I just kind of impulsively decided I'll get out and just figure it out on my own. But it wasn't because I had a bad experience or I disliked what I was doing. I just thought maybe I needed to start like a new chapter. So I I yeah. just sort of impulsively was like, eh, no, I'm, I will just do it. I'm just going to get out.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense. And I feel like it's very common. Actually, again, probably another thing that that civilians might not understand is that if you go in, especially if you go in with an open, open job of, of sorts, then you get one of those jobs and you do that job and then you're around a base and then you deploy to go TDY, you do all these things, you get exposed to a bunch of other things you didn't know were options. And so you're like, Oh, well, that's interesting. Like, maybe I could cross train and go try that. Or, you know, like I'm spending, you know, X number of times around, you know, public affairs, like, that's cool. I want to go do that. And it's, it's, it's pretty common for, for for those of us that are in to talk about cross training and going to try something something different, was there something about public affairs, or media, like communications, that like grabbed you, or what was what was the interest in that? Where did that come from? Do you know?
1: Well, I I mean before the military. I was sort of interested in more of like media, broadcasting. I had some sort of interest in that. So I think that stuck around, even though I was working in the medical field and did really well at it. It just kind of like stayed in my brain that that was something that piqued my interest. Um, I mean, you're still young. I was anyways, I was like 23. So I I, I felt I hadn't really found my my thing yet. Mm-hmm. Even though I was good at this one thing being a surgical tech, it really wasn't my passion and I still felt like I wanted to find that passion.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so you so you 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 left your enlistment discharged. did you jump right into school? like what was your what was your approach if you said I'm gonna go try this like what was your what was your intention coming out?
1: Yeah. And this is why I say I was impulsive because I didn't really have a plan. Um, I got out of the military. I moved back to Kentucky. I lived with my parents for about a month and I was just completely in shock. I mean, the transition from getting out of the military. So I had extended my term when I was in Iraq. I had, um, someone had to leave, uh, for a family emergency and I finished their term f- or I finished their, their deployment. deployment for them. Um, so I stayed longer than I had to, which meant I needed to extend my, um, my time in service about three months. So when I got back from Iraq, I had like a few weeks to get out of the military.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah Processed out of the military that fast could get yes.
1: home for a home Wow. Okay. Yes. So I didn't really have a plan. So I go to Kentucky, go to my parents. I I just say I'll figure it out when I get situated at my my parents' home. I knew right away I there's no way I was going to stay in Kentucky. <laughs> I guess there's like a running theme with me because impulsively I decided Florida looks cool. I'll move to Florida. So I, um, had a friend that lived in Tampa. I don't know why I picked Orlando, Florida, but I ended up signing up to go to school at Valencia community college. Now Valencia college, um, just packed my car up, got an apartment, got a job at a hospital. And within like a month or two of being at my parents' home, um, I just drove to Florida and, and started working and going to school there.
0: What, um, what were they supportive of that? What was there?
1: No, they, they weren't unsupportive, but they weren't supportive. Sure. They were just kind of like, what is she doing now? You know, what's your game plan, Lisa? And again, I didn't really have one. I'm like, you just, just trust me on this. They were a little unsure when I joined the military and I, I, uh, did just fine. So again, I was like, just trust me. I'm going to just do this. Um, and so I just left.
0: Yeah. Um, can also relate to that. Um, okay. So you get to, you get to Orlando, work it out at, at one of the hospitals. And are uh, you started attending classes at Valencia right away?
1: I did. Yeah. And
0: was that for like gen ed type stuff? It was.
1: Yeah. yeah it okay. was gen. I still didn't have an idea of what I was going to do.
0: Okay so how did the how did um take us from studying gen ed at valencia while working at a hospital which makes total sense right like you're 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 using the gi bill you have some stable you know a stable uh professional life with some income based on you know past experience makes makes super of all you know impulsive things but that's a smart thing right like that makes sense um how did it how did you get from that to um discovering pr and then and then eventually moving into that field what was that evolution like
1: Oh yeah. And it was a long evolution. This did not happen within a few years. I mean, I got a whole bachelor's degree before I decided to, to go into PR so that it took probably about six years for me to get to where I, the decision to do PR, that's how long it took for me. But, um, I felt I couldn't waste the skills I learned in the military regarding the medical skills. Like everything I knew, I couldn't waste that. So even though I didn't have a passion and that was sort of the reason I got out, I sort of panicked in a way and felt I couldn't waste that. So I ended up going to University of Central Florida for my bachelor's. And it was in health sciences with the hopes that I would go to physician assistant school after I get my bachelor's. So I was working in the medical field this entire time. I was working at hospitals as a, as a surgical tech. And then I um, kind of transferred over into like dermatology clinics and was working as a medical assistant.
0: Okay. Did the, just curious, did the hospitals take your military training like no problem? You were like, hey, oh, yeah. You, you, yeah, that's cool. Okay.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, that was a huge advantage. Sure. I mean, how can you tell, um, someone who's been in the traumas I've been with, like during times of war that I couldn't handle like a basic, you know, gallbladder removal. Right. So, um, that was pretty easy for me. I mean, I was fortunate because my job did transfer to civilian. Like that is a civilian job to be a surgical tech. Um, not everybody has that advantage, but I one-to-one yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, But I think just working in the medical field for, for at that time, it was going on 10 years. I kind of felt that same feeling where I was lost and unsure. And it's, again, I felt frustrated because I was like, you can't, you gotta be kidding. I'm approaching, um, I hate to give away my age here, but Mm -hmm. I was approaching 30 and thinking I can't, I don't have it figured out still. Um, so I did. I did what I thought was best. And I talked to someone, um, I went and actually talked to a VA advisor and he brought up public relations. I looked at it like the whole description. And then I, I knew full sale university was a really cool university in the area that offered really unique programs, um, that weren't so traditional. Um, so I just, I, I just went again with my gut and signed up for classes. And I ended up in less than two years getting my masters in public relations.
0: Yeah. Very, very, I, I wanna I wanna get there, but I I, I do want to go back. So double tapping on on approaching 30. Um, this is also crazy by the way. That means that we were in Orlando around around the same time too. Cause I was we at,
1: literally just missed just each probably other. Probably just
0: missed each other. Yeah. Um the 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 idea of like approaching 30 and this is probably true for definitely for everybody. um, But I think can be exacerbated with military service because you're already behind. Right. You're like, you know, I didn't go to college right out of, right out of high school. So I didn't have the internships. And, you know, for you, you had this amazing experience that got you a one-to-one job, which, which, you know, uh, transition, which got you, which had its benefits I'm sure, but then also had its drawbacks because in the back of your mind, you're like, you know what, I don't really, wants to be doing this but it makes sense to do this i you know getting paid and there's stability and all that stuff and can you walk me through what how did you like deal with feeling that way i know you said you went and talked to a va advisor you know about public affairs or, or just about you know different things but like how did you how did you deal with those feelings of feeling like oh man i i served you know, I'm, I'm hitting a certain age and I still don't know what I want to do. Like, did it create excitement? Did it create dread? And then like, how did you deal with that?
1: Uh, I, you know, a lot of times it, it created feelings of isolation. You know, I, I felt very alone. I certainly wasn't alone. I was surrounded by friends and family that cared and believed in me. Um, that matters a great deal. But there's still this feeling of isolation because I, I felt why didn't I have a plan yet? Still, I've got everything in front of me. I've, I've, I've got the the bachelor's degree. Now I, I have the training of a surgical tech. I can do something with this. I have this experience. Why am I not like satisfied? Why am I not happy? Why do I still feel lost? And that's a very difficult feeling to explain to somebody. Um, so it can feel very isolating and it can feel very frustrating. And especially when you're older, I mean, just in comparison to being like a 21 year old, you know, um, it it was, it was hard. Like, you know, I had good days and bad days, days where I doubted myself and then days where I felt really optimistic. Um, I think the biggest lesson is just not giving up and just giving yourself that grace to have those good days, have those bad days, just kind of like ride the wave, if you can allow yourself to feel frustrated when you're frustrated and give yourself an opportunity to just be patient and, and take time to find out what's best for you and not compare to somebody else's, you know, path, like so that's what I did. I, I I started to just disregard the fact of my age and stopped comparing and just decided this is my journey. This is my chapter and I'm going to find out what's best for me no matter how old I am. You know, I'm not going to put an age limit on that. Like that's not fair to myself. Nobody else is. So why am I doing it to myself? That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so what was the public relations program like at Full Sail? And when, when you had, well, actually I'm curious before. So when you were talking to the BA advisor, how did PR come up? Did PR come up as something because kind of based on like his conversations with you, he's like, oh, I think you might be interested in this. Or was it random or what was the?
1: Well, I think it just kind of led to, um, it was a result of of what I shared before the military Cause he's, he was just kind of like, well, what, it, what were you interested in before the military? Like yeah, you asked me yep. and then, yep. and then that led him to think, oh, okay, well maybe this job would be um, interesting for her. So yep. he hands me a packet um, uh, with the job description and I decided, okay, I'll look into it and see what it's about. And then I fortunately stumbled across Full Sail University, having that, um, having that degree program and. Because Full Sail is not a traditional school in the sense that you know they're more focused. At least my program was um, about like today's PR. What does that look like? What does public relations look like in the you know 20? It was like 2016 at the time. Um, it was more about social media, um, like more about the trends and and technology. So that was really interesting for me to like learn what it looks like today versus a more traditional school. So I love that I was able to use that creativity. I don't think a lot of like the traditional programs offer a creativity component and Full Sail did. So that's what really, really grabbed my attention. But um, it was an online program. So I didn't actually go to classes physically.
0: Oh, cool. And, and how you said it was two years?
1: Yeah, it was roughly two years. I would say it was probably 18 months. It was a little less. Yeah. Um, it was a, a quicker program. Um,
0: and then did you do any, like, were you able to do any internships or anything? What was the transition like from I'm studying this cool thing where they let me be creative and I'm studying things that are relevant right now. Like how did that, how did that then manifest into, you know, job opportunities?
1: Um, <laughs> so I have to like maintain this theme I have going. I was about to graduate and I thought, where can I go next? At the time I was living in Ohio near my brother. I thought Where in Ohio? Um Dayton, Ohio. Okay, yeah. I thought Nashville looks really cool. I'd never been, but I thought maybe I'll go there. So, um I looked online just for jobs that were related to PR, like a public relations assistant. Um, I drove down a couple of times to Nashville for some interviews, like right when I graduated, Um, I was fortunate enough that I got an assistant job um, at a real estate company here. And once I got that job, I just found an apartment again, packed my car up, drove down to Nashville and five years later, I'm still here.
0: I think one of the, one of the most underrated skills that we get in the military is the ability to do what you just said, which is like, Oh, I can just go move somewhere. I've never been to before like that. That's actually not that hard of a thing to do.
1: Right. I yeah. tell other, um, other people this and their reaction is kind of like, I'm sorry, what they look at me and they're super baffled that I would just have the audacity to just pack up my stuff to a city I'd never been and have not one thought about it. I think, um, that is definitely something I learned from the military. Uh, also like it kind of stems to the whole adaptability sort of thing. Um, I just knew I'd get there and adapt to the environment. I wasn't really concerned.
0: Yeah. Um, so what was it like adapting to, to Nashville? You said your first job was as an assistant to a real estate at a real estate firm.
1: It was, um, was that in
0: like marketing and PR department, or was it just?
1: Yeah, in it general? was. Um, it was, they had a marketing department and then they just have one person managing the public relations for the real estate company. And I assisted that person. Um, that individual ended up leaving and I was left alone uh, to my own devices within a month. So I had just graduated, had no experience. And learned everything um by myself. Because the person who I was working under had left. Um, but guess what? I, I was totally okay with it because again, I'm gonna go back to the military and say that I it was it didn't intimidate me, like I knew I could handle it.
0: Yeah. Are you are you more of like an experiential learner, like, do you learn by, by doing and like being in environments like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like definitely.
0: Yeah. Could be why the academic stuff was difficult in tech school too. Cause it's like, well, I'm reading about this and I'm <laughs> writing on note cards, but I'm not actually doing this
1: thing. A hundred percent. Because once I started working in actual surgical procedures, everything made sense. The stars aligned, yeah. so to speak. And so it, it just was like I I learned so much more just doing it, um, versus just reading about it. I know you have to have that, um, that knowledge going in, but it definitely helps to just get in there and do the things.
0: No, for sure. Yeah, no, I think uh, maybe like learning by cutting people open might not be, might not be the, the, the best or most safe practice for, uh, for everybody involved that makes sense and, um
1: yeah and now you're reminding me that i think i i was given surgical tech because one of the questions uh before you get your job was if you have a fear of blood and i said no so they're like well she can handle the operating room
0: yeah i'm gonna feel like i kind of feel like yeah that makes sense um so okay so now you're the one we're one person uh pr department uh were you still getting like paid as an assistant did they promote you at least or I mean did you have to like what, what was that like
1: uh you know I I don't think I'm gonna comment on that part of it okay. but uh, <laughs> that's fair <laughs> I didn't stay around though um that's not currently where I work obviously right. I work at a, a different place now but um yeah I won't I won't comment on yeah part
0: (laughs) no worries no worries so okay so then when when you did move on um did you move on to where you are now or did you move on to a different a different um firm
1: no where I am now okay yeah and how how did
0: you get that role
1: so um I was networking a little bit and by networking I was like going to different group meetups you know they have like marketing professional meetups at some happy hour location. Um, So I was doing all that research and just kind of putting myself out there. I got some business cards made. Um, I felt like I'm just going to meet some people um, in real, you know, in real life and learn about what other opportunities are out there. Maybe I could get a new, like a new job that way. And then that actually is what ended uh, leading to my job now I was at like a digital women like women and digital meetup group uh, there was an individual there who was speaking I followed that person on LinkedIn I um I was active on my LinkedIn I ended up seeing that her place of work was hiring so I went on their website I um emailed them said hey I don't know a lot, but I, I think I'm kind of funny. I can probably add to your work culture if you just give me a chance. And uh, yeah, they ended up calling me and meeting me and um, that's how it happened. So it wasn't like a formal process where I submitted an application. It really, it just led a, a lot to like networking. That was yeah. really, really helpful for me. Did they agree? Are you
0: are you funny? Do, do you add humor? I think they the agree.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think they they'll agree. They'll probably listen to this podcast, and if they don't agree, um, we can talk yeah, they'll, another they'll, time. They'll, right? they'll,
0: like, they'll, they'll comment on it, and we can uh, yeah. on, on on the on the clip, and we can we can know. Um, so, I mean, so everything you just described is what people should do if they're qualified for a, a role or qualified for an industry. And it's 2023. It'll be 2023 when this episode airs. Um, we're doing this in the middle of December right now, but it's just gonna air in January. It's two thousand twenty-three. Uh you have no excuse not to go on LinkedIn. You have no excuse not to find happy hours and networking meetups and all of those things that might be uncomfortable and awkward and weird and strange, but like that's how you meet people. That's how you go do it the old school way, where like and, and the new school way through through digital as well. But like everything you just described was what people should be doing. Was that um I mean obviously being in PR uh, and and going to through a masters program I'm sure you were taught some of these things but like does that w- did you have to push through any awkwardness or any any discomfort with that or were you just like no I want to go I want to go do this so I'm going to go where the people are that are that would give me these opportunities
1: I always felt awkward and uncomfortable mm-hmm always, every time, every time I drove up to a meetup, I hesitated before I opened the door and walked in. I was always super nervous. Um, you're going in a room full of strangers, but the reason I got through it is because I knew I wasn't alone. Like I know that there's other people in the room that are going to be just as nervous, maybe even more. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go do it. And, it's gonna be weird. Everybody else is in the same boat. Um, and honestly, I, I'm really happy I did. I'm really happy that I just got over that fear and and went for it because it led me to my job today. Like I cannot encourage people enough to network. Um and to just know in the back of your head that everybody feels awkward. Like everybody is uncomfortable, everybody hates small talk. Um, but you don't know that one time that one person you talk to maybe even, even if they don't have the career that you're necessarily interested in pursuing they may know somebody that knows somebody so um it's totally worth it
0: i want that that's going to be a reel on instagram for sure um so what, so okay so you got the job and then now you're here like what's what's the last few years few years couple of years 4 years
1: going on five
0: going on five all right what's it been like
1: it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> um. No, really, honestly, I, I I really enjoy what I do as a small team of people that I work with. So I think having a small group, we're really able to, to work together like a team, which is something, you know, being in the military, I always missed. Like having that team, having that sense of community. I think when you get out of the military, you're always in search of that. I know I was like looking for that sense of community. Yeah. So it, it's... It's said a lot now about how important work culture is, but it really is so valuable. Um, I mean, for me, it is because if this is a place I'm going to like give a big part of my life to, I want to be able to like get along with my coworkers to know that I'm supported. Um, I don't want to be like miserable in my job. But yeah. I'm not, I, I absolutely love the people I work with. Um, you know, we truly are a team and that's important to me. And I didn't know if I'd ever find that again. So um, I'm pretty grateful. And I, I, you know, the work itself, what we do every day is, is great. PR, um, it can be very fast paced. And I love that. So for me this really makes sense like just having that fast-paced environment I didn't even know what public relations was um you know in my early 20s that's not something I had ever heard of really so um it all makes sense now that I'm in the job I'm in like it, it's just I love it
0: well shouts out to, to to Raven for um for having a culture like that yeah Wait, I mean, way I, to
1: go I, Raven you're doing I, it
0: yeah um I I I agree. I mean, yesterday, you know, uh, as of this recording, we did an offsite with with the agency that I that I work at, that I run production at, and having everybody together in person, like working as a team, um, you know, reflecting on twenty twenty two and then planning for twenty twenty three and putting you know strategic things together, but then getting tactical tactical about some of it as well um, together, like in a room, is great. And uh, you know, remote work and COVID has uh, opened up quite a bit of things for, for people to, to live where they want to, you know, it's kind of democratized a lot of the the industries that, that you and I find ourselves in, uh, which is, which is great, but we do kind of miss that like tight knit team, uh, you know, teamwork environment, the, the, the kind of culture where, where you get shit done together. Yeah. Um, and you know, my, my job in the Air Force, we worked on crews of three, you know what I mean? And now I've, I'm, I'm in a production department and there's three of us and it just kind of like feels like that um, and, and it, um, it's great. I, you I like um,
1: feed off each other's energy. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Well, I mean, I feel like that's, that's as, as good of a place as, as, as any to end. I mean, what do you have any, as you look back and, and I know that you had mentioned before when we spoke, uh, a few weeks ago and then, and then earlier in this, um, you, you spoke about how you hadn't, you know, thought about, a lot of this in a while and hadn't talked about a lot of this in a while. Do you have any, anything like off, off the cuff right now that, that you, um, you know, that jogged your memory or anything that you, any, any advice that you want to give or or anything that just is, is meaningful to you as you've kind of reflected on this tonight?
1: Yeah, actually there is. I just think I would say to other veterans who are struggling to figure out their paths after the military, um, just talking about what I said earlier regarding my own feelings of isolation and and frustration to just give yourself some patience and know that you're not alone. Um, The skills you learned in the military do matter. Um, They're unique to veterans. You know, these are things you can't teach in school. When I talked about adaptability um, you know, teamwork communication like thriving under pressure like these certain skills that we learned that were ingrained within us that we didn't even know were being ingrained with us um they are unique and they can be transferable into just about like anything you know so even if you have a job like me i worked in the medical field and now i work with public relations like i'm doing two totally different things But my employer knew that I had these skills that couldn't be taught and everything else could be taught. And that's what they did. So for those who are struggling to figure it out, don't give up. And for employers, businesses looking for um, employees in the new year, and then some just consider veterans, we have these unique set of skills, get to know them. Don't just look at a paper resume and think that's all there is. If you just sit and talk with them, you'll learn like, okay, I can teach this person everything else, but what they're telling me, what they've learned, these foundational skills, I can't teach and they are going to only benefit you in the long run within your organization. Well said. And that's that's that.
0: And that is that.
1: And that is that.
0: That is that. Um, (laughs) Okay. Where can people find you on the internet? either social or LinkedIn, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just my first and last name, Lisa Maskey, M-A-S-K-E-Y. Um, that's where you can find me. I'm sure you'll post me on, yep. promote me on yep. Instagram and I'll uh, be around on social. Not too hard to find.
0: Great. Yeah. No, we'll put a, uh, put all those links in the, in the, in the show notes and, um, and then you'll get, uh, you'll get blasted with um with some content posts here the week that this goes live. Cool. Um, but I really appreciate your time, really appreciate your story and appreciate you sharing it and, um, hope to, uh, do it again sometime.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, okay. Lisa. Bye. Bye.